A lot of podcasters don't get to share their numbers. And just because of what I'm trying to do with my boutique agency, I've had the opportunity to actually get to look at numbers because I've approached podcasters that are perceived to have big numbers, asked for their stats, and then also asked to confirm their stats as well. So, um, so I'm able to really see. I do think as of this point in time, um, the biggest podcast on the continent is pulling um, on a good week up to 40,000 listeners, um, listeners in the first week of an episode being put out. Welcome to the Podcast Sessions with Rutendo Nyamuda, where we chat to podcast hosts, podcast producers, and those within the podcast industry. On today's show, we sit down with podcast consultant and founder of Kali Media, Paula Rogo. Paula, you are involved in a number of components and aspects in the podcast industry, and not just from a pan-African space, but from an international space as well. So I'd love to know a little bit about your history and background in the podcast scene. How did you get into podcasting and what was your first experience with podcasting in the African space? I'm a journalist by training. Um, I'm Kenyan American and most of my journalism career was spent in the U.S. And my background from when I went to grad school was specifically around uh, short documentaries was really where I started. But it generally moved into um, digital media uh, and digital journalism uh, for many, many years, almost up to a decade before I really switched over to, broad, to, to podcasting. So I understood broadcast. I understood how it works. I understood storytelling and such. And my goal had always been to move from the U.S. and do journalism within Africa. Um, and, and in that process, I fell out of love with journalism, per se but not necessarily storytelling. So when I eventually was able to move back to, to the continent and to my native country, which is Kenya, I moved back with the intention of starting a media company. It was really niche idea, specifically around storytelling for women in East Africa. And in doing so, and storytelling for me is any platform, really. It's just the, 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 the mechanics of telling good stories. And so as I was thinking about, okay, I'm starting this company, what is the medium in which I can enter and make inroads in a medium that's not already saturated? So I, because I only had so much money <laughs> to spend, a medium where I could have immediate impact, um, a medium where I knew I could reach my audience. Because um, when it comes to podcasting and women, it, um, women, it tends to skew that women are really strong listeners of podcasts. And then also recognizing that radio is king in Africa. Um, we have a, um, our background on the continent is that we're familiar with listening to stories and news through audio. So it just made a lot of sense. And so from there, um, I then started, intended initially to start a podcast network around female only podcasters in East Africa and content around that, but quickly realized that the ecosystem um, around podcasting was just not in a place for podcasting to flourish in Africa. There's, yes, as a content creator, there are things that um, I could do, and that's my specialty, but 
as you know, Rutanda, there's so many other things that go into podcasting. It's the technology, it's the monetization, there's the, of course the content, there's, there's just training, there's just many aspects to it. And so from there, I realized that, you know, I can complain about it <laughs> or really start helping that process along. And so from there, um, I co-founded um, Africa PodFest, which is the continent's first podcast festival, which initially started as, um, was initially going to be just focused on Kenya, but also recognized, you know, again, podcasting, it's an ecosystem and could connect with so many parts of the continent. And in building that, and uh, I was then able to really get an amazing viewpoint about podcasting in Africa and also podcasting in the world. So I'm quite interested to ask you a question around numbers, listenership and statistics, because no one likes to talk numbers. If you ask a majority of podcasters about their numbers, no one's really going to tell you um, because people just genuinely don't share numbers unless you're doing it behind closed doors. So my question is, if you are a podcaster and you're looking to get some advertising or looking to monetize or want to get some partnerships on board, is there a specific number that you recommend when it comes to listeners and listenership before one approaches a potential partner? And does it really matter whether you have 10 or 10,000 listeners before you approach people? So to answer that question, um, you're, you're right. A lot of podcasters don't get to share their numbers. And just because of what I'm trying to do with my boutique agency, I've had the opportunity to actually get to look at numbers because I've approached podcasters that are perceived to have big numbers, asked for their stats, and then also asked to confirm their stats as well. So um, so I'm able to really see. I do think as of this point in time, um, the biggest podcast on the continent is pulling um, on a good week up to 40,000 listeners, um, listeners in the first week of an episode being put out. And I think um, it's important to share that number because people need to understand context of what it means to have a big podcast in Africa that has a lot of listeners. I would say that um, you need to have, you need to be able to showcase a history of being consistent in your production. So whether or not, so what does consistent look like? If you have a weekly podcast, whether it's seasonal or not, and you've always released content on time on that particular day, you've not taken five-week hiatuses that, that's not off-season and so forth, um, whatever, however many podcast episodes you need in order to showcase that is important because a brand also needs to know that you are dependable as well. Now, when it comes to numbers, at least get to the thousands. Aim for that. If you're a new podcaster, at least set yourself up in a way where you can at least get to the thousands. And what I mean by that is that after you've released an episode in that first week um, of it being released, you have at least a thousand plus listeners. That's what I mean by that. Um, but also sometimes there are audiences that are extremely niche that an advertiser is trying to get to and know you're not hitting 40,000, but maybe you're hitting 2,000 of a very, very particular audience. Let me give you an example. There's a podcaster who, and I cannot remember the name of the podcast, I'm so sorry, 
who speaks specifically, she's Nigerian and her podcast is about anime. And if one day, <laughs> I don't know which one, there was a brand that was trying to promote anime or some anime product on the continent and they were looking to also include podcasting in it, I will go pay her top dollar for access to that 2000 um, as well. So, um, and it, also if it's a 2000 that's like really engaged and super responsive, I'll go for that. As opposed to say the 40,000, even though they have a very engaged audience, um, I would go to them when it's specific to building awareness for a product. So when you're working, when working with brand managers, sometimes it's, sometimes they're just looking for an audience that's super, super engaged. Another example is um, there was a bank here in Kenya that was looking to do some podcast advertising and they were looking to do it with female business owners. And so it became very, very easy to go track down podcasts that work with entrepreneurship and have a specific angle towards women because that's who their audience is. And so they would prefer to have paid top dollar to that 5,000 listeners of that podcast as opposed to paying top dollar for a, a another podcast that had about 20,000 um, listens um, that were pretty much just the audience was broad. And, and not as specific as well. So um, I think the key thing is, is understanding who your audience is as a podcaster and developing them so that when a brand is ready to eventually, because those brands are coming towards podcast advertising, they're being slow, but they're coming, you're able to tell them, hey, this is my audience. They're this age, they live here, these are their interests, these are um, what they spend money on all that kind of stuff. You can start doing that now, even if you only have a hundred listeners, you can put out a survey, you know, ask your audience, Hey, can you list, can you, I have a survey. Can you, it'll help me grow by understanding who you are, please. Can you fill it out, connect with them on social, different ways to connect, collect some of this data um, will be helpful. Also in you being able to sell yourself. It's not always about the numbers. There is a lot of podcast research that has been done, but particularly uh, within the U.S. market. I remember coming across a particular uh, article that spoke about the kind of cars that even podcast listeners would drive. And I found that absolutely remarkable. Um, but when it comes to things like uh, research, I know that the Edison Research Institute is probably one of the biggest podcast research platforms in the world at the moment. Um, I could be mistaken, but I do believe that they are the largest, if not one of the largest. Um, and for me, when it comes to researching, that is something obviously that's really important and knowledge on the continent. I know that you write a lot about podcasting and you've done a lot of research about the podcast space. Do you feel that we're starting to pick up in terms of the research, in terms of what is being put out there? Uh, or do you feel that it is something that we are heavily lacking at the moment? It's lacking. I don't even think we're close <laughs> to being even like normal in terms of it. Listen, to make decisions, you need data. And there's a lack of data. I think it's also part of the reason there's been a lack of there's been a general hesitation in investing more in the African podcasting space because people really just don't know, unfortunately. And I hate showing up to presentations and meetings 
using anecdotal <laughs> evidence and not actual numbers. And that's what I mean where, where I say like building the ecosystem. Podcasting is not just about the content or, you know, the platforms and so forth. There's things that people also need to be working on in order for the whole industry to grow. And, you know, we try to do some of that work at PodFest. I'm, I'm also collecting that data um, with, with the work that I'm doing around um, podcast advertising, because I also need that data as well. Um, and until it exists, not only collecting the data, but also being able to read it and analyze it and make and make calls about it. I think I, I have a column that I haven't updated in a while, but it's called Pods for Africans. And it, for me, it was a look at the sort of the podcasting space and the podcasting industry within Africa. And um, there's a study that you did, I also took part in, that I'm about to release um, in the next quarter as well, finally, that data. And, you know, you also need people to make those calls about where the industry is going so that you're not, you don't have to look at what Edison research has done in the U S <laughs> in order to make, and then bastardize it to the African continent. You need to be able to make some, some key, key analysis about it. And even you as podcasters with your own data as, 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 as you know, the own, the stats that you pull in, you can also make these, analytical um, decisions, for example, and, and just you have to be smart about it. So for example, if majority of your listeners are on the continent, right? And but majority are listening to your podcast on iOS devices, which your podcasting hosting site can give you that information. What does that mean? That tells you that your listenership is of a particular um, socioeconomic background because you don't just have an iPhone here on the continent. It's not accessible to everybody. So you can also make that 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 sort of you know analysis based on what you're seeing. And so what I'd love to see is is an organization taking this on. In general data is an issue in Africa, but someone else also recognizing the opportunity because also there is money in data. So I would pay big money I know you would too, Rutendo, to access <laughs> data um, that someone has that just look tries to at least figure out what's going on in the in the podcasting space. Most definitely, I would pay top dollar for insights and information. But hopefully, we'll be part of that uh, you know platform and base where people are starting to pay top dollar for some content. Um, what I'm enjoying more and more about the African podcast space is I find that people aren't just creating podcasts anymore. People are getting involved in various aspects of podcasting. So it could be writing articles, producing a magazine, uh, doing some workshops, um, writing on news, having discussions. There are podcast festivals like the Africa Podfest. It sort of feels like there are all of these ecosystems that are starting to feed into the African podcast space, which is incredible and kind of creating these shared knowledge platforms. Um, you know, people aren't just doing it as a side hustle anymore. What are your thoughts on growing communities and ecosystems on the African continent? I get extremely frustrated with podcasters who 
think that it's just about them. I only have to worry about my podcast and I don't need to interact with the rest of the community in order to grow and thrive. That, but uh, when I tell you that irritates me so much, Rutendo, um, only because like you're saying, it's a community, it is an industry. When one of us explodes, all of us explodes. When one of us grows, all of us grow. Um, when, because when we'd all do well, that means more opportunities and resources come our way. And so I know it's very easy to just, you know, work specifically on your podcast and focus on it and not care what's going on in the industry, but it's important to get plugged in and see what else is going on there. There are things you might be struggling with in your, in your podcast or even in your country that the country next door has figured out. And all you had to do was just, you know, plug in and connect. Now for something I'm super excited to ask you because one doesn't often get a behind the scenes look or behind the scenes knowledge, particularly when it comes to podcast competitions or how those things are run. Earlier this year, you were a judge for the BBC World Service's first international podcast competition, uh, which was focused on finding a podcaster on the African continent. If I'm not mistaken, there was a focus on three or four African countries. But I really want to gain some insights into what your experience was, particularly behind the scenes, the judging process. Um, how was that for you? So, yes, it's been a, an amazing experience. Um, my relationship with BBC, specifically around podcasting, started when they were about to launch um, The Colm, which was their first African podcasts and now have two more that they've added. And um, so I, I uh, consulted with them around um, the release and audience and so forth. And I think for the BBC, and I think I can say this, they're using their the BBC World Service podcasting arm as a way to figure out how to develop new audiences and connect with new audiences around Africa, also sort of globally, but specifically around Africa. They were then able to quickly see the opportunities for podcasting there. And so the competition came about because um, they have this amazing skill set and studios and, and knowledge around audio and podcasting, uh, but they wanted to create content that worked for the continent. And so that involved then, you know, um, finding the ideas that are really great that are out there because you know, BBC, the BBC newsroom in London can only come up with so many ideas about what um, an African listener would want to, to listen to as well. So that's where the competition um, came from. And I was then asked to sort of also consult in, in the creation of it, and then also uh, then eventually be a judge. So initially it was supposed to be um, a competition for the whole continent, um, but just based, based on certain limitations, they limited it to Kenya, uh, South Africa, and Nigeria, uh, which are also the biggest and strongest podcasting regions of the continent. Um, this in terms of listenership and also in terms of the podcast industries within those countries as well. I'm part of the cohort that's the final judge of their choices. So um, right now it's going through the process of the in-house judging. And then I come in um, next month and help select the, I think it's the final 10 
or something like that. Um, what I can say is that I think the BBC is trying really hard to understand and create content that is unique. It's for us, by us, um, that's unique and support that sort of creation of content. And But what was also really unique about the competition, Rutendo, is that they asked um, it was it was really important to them that if you were a broadcast professional or had been involved in podcasting before on a professional level, you couldn't enter the competition, which I know a lot of journalists were kind of annoyed about. But why this is important is that it then opens up the opportunity for different kind of voices out there. Uh, that's the great thing about podcasting, right? You don't have to be a presenter. You don't have to have trained or speak with a certain voice in order to, to podcast. And so I think what I'm excited about is, is these ideas where, you know, if you would, this, this idea would never been able to come to life unless it was through this competition. Because not only is there, are they supporting you monetarily to produce the podcast, but it will you know, but also they're bringing their knowledge of production into the room, which then means that your whatever the podcast idea that wins gets to show up in its best possible form. So for me, that's exciting. And hopefully um, it's an indication to everyone else out there that African podcasting is a thing. So don't be late. And then also for media organizations on the continent, stop being late. Um, get on podcasting. And not the podcasting where you turn whatever was was original content, whether it was the radio show or the TV show, and just turning it into a podcast. Don't be lazy about that. There's an opportunity to meet new audiences. There's an opportunity to create great, great content. And the media side of the industry also needs to be involved. It cannot just be independent, independent producers and podcasters anymore. And so you guys are late. Jump on board, please. One of the biggest questions that people often ask before they start a podcast and even while they're podcasting is what equipment should I be using? What equipment should I buy uh, even when I'm just starting up? So can you let us know what equipment you use? Okay. So for me, as of like right now, <laughs> it changes all the time. Um, my The microphone that I use is just a really simple audio Technica ATR. Uh, which is has both a USB and XLR um, mic sort of access. And I then connect mine then to a Focusrite um, and then directly to my laptop if I'm doing my own individual podcasting. And then I record to Adobe. I'm an, I'm an audition girl. I learned how to edit on, on Adobe Premiere for video. So I've always just understood how that particular platform works. So that's where I record into and then what I, um, I, I edit, it, edit with as well. I have used Blue Yetis before. I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan. <laughs> I, it's more expensive, actually, I think almost by $50 um, or even more now. I don't know, as compared to, say, uh, the Audio-Technica that I recommended or I or that I use, um, but I'm, I'm just not the biggest fan of a Blue Yeti um, at this point in time. So um, there's all kinds of great equipment out there, but that's what works for me. Thank you so much, Paula, for such an incredible discussion and for sharing so much knowledge with us today. Um, for those of you who want to 
contact you, follow you, reach out to you? How can people contact you? What are your social media handles or email address? So to find me um, on social, um, at podcast Shuri, um, like Shuri, like uh, Black Panther Shuri, is uh, the best way to find me, whether on Twitter or on Instagram. Um, that's my nickname in the podcasting space. Um, and then also just to contact me or email me, uh, you can f- go to the Kali Media website. Kali is spelled K-A-L-I. So it's Kali.media. So www.kali.media. And that brings us to the end of our show. Don't forget to rate this episode and follow us on social media at The Podcast Sessions. The Podcast Sessions is a production of Teamsway Media.